Welcome to Pro Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro choice person in only 7. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. So, a quick reminder before we dive into today's episode if you're new to the podcast, welcome. However, I'm going to recommend that you go back to the first episode and listen to these episodes in order because with the exception of the bonus content, every episode is going to be building on concepts that we covered in the previous episode. Also, make sure you listen to the whole episode today because at the very end, I have a special guest who's going to be joining us. So last week's episode, we talked about how essential it is to keep our conversations calm if we want to be persuasive. In this episode, I'm going to teach you a specific tool that you can use in your conversations on abortion to keep them calm and agreeable. All of my examples in today's episode are going to be abortion-related conversations, but I've gotten a lot of feedback from people when I teach them this tool that it is helpful in any controversial conversation. Like the number of people who've come up to me after a training and been like, I use this at Thanksgiving, or I use this in talking to my sister-in-law about politics, or, you know, I use this in talking to my spouse about, you know, the dishes. <laughs> so that's how helpful this tool is. And this tool is called Building Common Ground. What does it mean to build common ground in a conversation. Well, common ground is anything that you and the person you're talking to agree on. So when we build common ground into a conversation, what that means is, is we take the time to stop and point out areas of agreement between ourselves and the pro-choice person. Now, common ground is absolutely essential. In fact, it's so essential, we actually built it into our logo at ADA. So the ADA logo, if you haven't seen it, it is two chat bubbles overlapping each other. And that overlap signifies how much common ground exists between pro-choice and pro-life people on this topic. I was originally taught the concept of common ground by Steve Wagner at Justice for All. And I think historically, I've taught common ground pretty similar to how he taught it to me about 10 years ago now. Wow, that's crazy. 10 years ago now. <laughs> but um, this this year, I realized that I've been giving a lot of volunteers notes on their common ground. And that's because kind of over the years, I've discovered that really good common ground, it has six components to it. So that's what I'm going to teach you today. I'm going to teach you the six components to really compelling common ground. So the first component of really good common ground is that common ground must be vocalized. It doesn't count if you don't say it out loud. Now, the reason I made this the first point is because there are a lot of negative stereotypes about pro-life people in pro-choice communities. So you might think when you're talking to a pro-choice person about, you know, rape, for example, that the pro-choice person just knows that you think rape is a horrible crime and that rapists should be punished more. Like that just would seem obvious. Like, of course, like you're not a monster. Of course, you think that rape is evil and horrible and should never happen. But you might be the very first pro-life person this pro-choice person has ever talked to, or at least the very first person that has told them that they're pro-life. And if they have all these negative stereotypes about pro-life people in, in their minds that we want to oppress women and force our view on others, we can't assume that they know that we're not monsters. They, we can't assume that they know that we're not psychopaths. So we have to vocalize that. We have to take the time to say to the pro-choice person, like, yeah, I agree with you. Rape is a horrible injustice. 
because the purchase person is they're they're not a mind reader. That's why the common ground has to be focalized. It doesn't matter, you know, how much you're agreeing with what the purchase person is saying if you don't tell them that you agree with them. So that's the first point. The second thing is that common ground must be genuine. <gasps> don't lie. <laughs> You would think I wouldn't have to have that be my second point, but I did have a student once. True story. We were out on campus and the purchase person said that they thought abortion should be legal if like the woman was living in poverty. And the student responded, I agree with you. Abortion should be legal. I ended up like stopping the conversation and pulling the student aside because for a moment I was like, did a pro-choice student just come volunteer with me? I was confused. I was like, wait, so student do you actually think that abortion should be legal in the case of poverty? And the pro-life student looked at me and they were like, oh no, I was just building common ground. (laughs) So yeah, uh, common ground is not lying. We don't lie to the pro-choice person. If the pro-choice person says, I think abortion should be legal in the case of poverty, don't just say, I agree with you, abortion should be legal because you don't agree with that. Now, new volunteers are often surprised at how easy it can be to build genuine common ground in a conversation on abortion. Like think of the example I just gave. What was the pro-choice person really concerned about in that example? Well, they were concerned about poverty. This pro-choice woman did not want children to suffer and not have their basic needs met. And obviously, so do you. So genuine common ground is as simple as saying, I agree with you that it's really difficult to raise a child in poverty. That's a very stressful situation for a pregnant woman to be in. See how in this example, I'm building common ground with the pro-choice person's concern, which is poverty. And that's a genuine area of agreement between me and the pro-choice person. I'm not building common ground with their conclusion, which is legal abortion, because that's the genuine area of disagreement. Now, sometimes pro-choice people will bring up other controversial topics in the abortion conversation. And sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll happen to actually agree with the pro-choice person on that controversial topic. For example, I was listening to a very interesting conversation between my volunteer, who was a pro-life libertarian, and a pro-choice student. And the pro-choice man brought up the fact that he supported the legalization of marijuana. And he made kind of an analogy to abortion and not restricting choice was kind of why this came up in the conversation. And the pro-life student, because they were a libertarian, they actually said, I agree with you that marijuana should be legal. And then they transitioned the conversation back to abortion and talking about how that's kind of a different scenario. Now, if you're in this conversation and you don't think that marijuana should be legalized, what you should do is build common ground with kind of the sentiment behind the idea. Like, I agree the government should not restrict us unnecessarily. But once again, make sure that you're not lying. But if you really, really don't agree with the controversial topic the pro-choice student brought up, for example, if they were like, we should outlaw religion, you can just ignore that comment and the conversation will naturally go back to the abortion topic. This leads me to my third point, which is that common ground is best when it is relevant. Common ground needs to be relevant in the sense that you want to be building common ground with the topic the pro-choice person was just talking about. For example, if the pro-choice person is talking to you about the issues with the foster care system and you respond by building common ground on the importance of maternity leave, it's not that that's bad per se, but it's not going to be as powerful as if you built common ground with the topic the pro-choice person was just on, which was foster care. Now, additionally, 
it's really helpful in conversations if you repeat back to the pro-choice person as much as possible the specific words or language that they used. There's a lot of psychology behind this. It's the concept of mirroring to someone their own language. And I'm not going to dive too much into the psychology, but just know that it's going to really help the pro-choice person feel heard in the conversation. So a lot of times you'll find that pro-choice people will use kind of specific phrasing or lingo when talking about something. For example, I remember there was this one girl I was talking to who kept talking about the importance of accurate, inclusive sex education. So if I'm going to be building common ground with her on sex education, it's best if I use her lingo, if I also say accurate, inclusive sex education. Now, her and I might disagree with the definitions of the word accurate and inclusive, but it's still going to be the most compelling common ground if I use the language that she's using. So another example would be, let's take our foster care example from earlier. If the pro-choice person keeps saying to me, the foster care system is so broken, instead of rewording that sentiment into my own words, it's best if I use their exact language. And I say, you know, I actually agree with you that the foster care system is broken in many ways. Now, the fourth component of good common ground is that common ground should be immediate. As a rule of thumb, Anytime the pro-choice person says anything in the conversation, I always build common ground with it before I say anything else. Now, the common ground does not need to be extensive. In fact, it's often best if it's not a long soapbox because we do want to get back on the topic of abortion. But I always build at least one sentence of common ground immediately after the pro-choice person makes any point or statement in the conversation. So this is really, really important. You always need to be building at least one sentence of common ground immediately after the pro-choice person says something in the conversation before you return to the seven-minute argument. Now, the fifth component of good common ground is that common ground communicates a positive opinion of the pro-choice person to the pro-choice person. And the reason this is so important is because the pro-choice person in many ways is kind of just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Disagreeing with someone is, it's kind of considered rude in our society. It's not a very popular thing to do. And so a lot of times the pro-choice person is a little concerned with what you think of them. And so by communicating to them that you don't hate them, that you don't think they're a monster, that it's okay that they're disagreeing with you, that really helps them calm down and it allows them to think less about what you're thinking about them and more about the arguments you're presenting. Now, once again, this needs to be genuine. If you genuinely think the purchase person you're talking to is a punk, then it's more important that you just don't communicate negative regard to them, even if you can't genuinely communicate positive regard. I remember I had this one conversation with this guy who he came up to me, which tends to be a bad sign. And he was only pro-choice in like the extreme cases. So I thought it was going to be a really easy conversation. Um, but instead, I found myself having to re-explain concepts like five times. We didn't even get through the full seven-minute argument. I just kind of gave up at one point. And he finished the conversation by telling me that he's glad he could enlighten me on this topic. <laughs> So yes, if you meet someone like that guy, you're not going to be able to communicate genuine positive regard. In that scenario, it's actually most important that you just don't communicate all the negative things you're thinking about the pro-choice person to them. But you'll find that most pro-choice people are actually not like that. In fact, I genuinely enjoy most of my conversations with pro-choice people. I find them, by and large, to be very compassionate, thoughtful, and open-minded people. 
So common ground should communicate positive regard. This means like when you see compassion in the pro-choice person, you should comment on it. When the pro-choice person makes a good insight, you should acknowledge it. When the pro-choice person is honest with you, you should appreciate that. In fact, one of my favorite ways to build common ground in a conversation is anytime the pro-choice person says to me, I don't know. I love that response because I feel like in our society nowadays, it's so common to just kind of pick an opinion out of a hat just so you can say that you have an opinion. So I appreciate so much more the honesty and the open-mindedness of saying, I don't really know what I think. And I always tell that to pro-choice people. I always tell them, you know, I appreciate someone who's willing to admit when they don't know something. Now, as a side note, on the topic of positive regard, compliments are a form of common ground. Because when you compliment someone, what you're communicating to them is that you have the same taste in something. Now, I don't do this in every conversation, but if I'm talking to a woman and I genuinely really like something she's wearing or her hair, I will say it. Like I was talking to this one girl once who had these ombre flower nails. They were like the cutest thing I'd ever seen. And it just took five seconds to tell her that I thought her nails were really cute. But that genuine compliment just created a really nice tone for the conversation. Now, if you're a guy, I would be careful with the compliments, especially if you're talking to a woman because she might think that you're flirting with her. But I'm throwing this out there for all my female listeners because we tend to already notice each other's hair and makeup and outfits. So if you're already thinking something nice about the pro-choice person, it can be helpful to share that nice thought. Now, finally, the sixth and final component of good common ground is that common ground is not an argument. I made this my last point because I believe it's the most important of all the six points. Over the years, I've noticed this phenomenon amongst pro-life advocates, and I call it contradicting the common ground. Contradicting the common ground is almost like a natural reflex for people in controversial conversations. It's like when you go to the doctor and they tap on your knee and it makes you kick. That's how instinctual it is for us. Like we just do it automatically without really thinking about it. And I think the reason this happens is because when the purchase person says something in the conversation, we feel like we have to argue the point they just made. So like if the purchase person says that abortion should be legal because of poverty, we feel like we have to argue with them about poverty. We have to say to them like, no, poverty is not a big deal. We have pregnancy resource centers to help women. Lots of families make it work. Now, if you've said this exact sentence to a pro-choice person before, I don't want you to feel bad about it because everyone does this. I used to contradict the common ground all the time before I received any training. In fact, I remember doing this on a date once. I went on a date with this guy in high school and he'd asked me what happened during my week. And that week I had been elected to leadership in the pro-life club. And it turns out he was pro-choice and he asked me what I thought about abortion in the case of rape. And I remember saying things to him like, only 1% of abortions are because of rape and abortion is such an invasive procedure. In some ways, it might be even more traumatic than rape. And I just really don't think we should be punishing the baby for the crimes of their father. He was not persuaded. He did not ask me on a second date although I would have not said yes anyway because he was pro-choice. But yeah, it was not effective. And the reason that contradicting the common ground is not effective is because of a couple of reasons. So the first is, is that it makes us look really uncompassionate. Like my date had just brought up the hardest situation for a woman to find herself in, pregnant after rape. And my response honestly just made me look like a jerk. 
when we contradict the common ground and we argue with pro-choice people about these societal issues, it kind of comes across like we're minimizing them, like we don't take them very seriously, like we don't think they matter. And that's really not true. Obviously, the pro-life side is the side of compassion and empathy and love. But contradicting the common ground communicates the opposite, which is especially bad when you're talking to anyone who is in this new generation, Gen Z, because for them, compassion is really, really important. And the second reason that contradicting the common ground is so unhelpful is because it hinders our ability to actually persuade the pro-choice person. Because when the pro-choice person says something like abortion should be legal because of poverty or the foster care system or rape, or even the guy I talked about earlier who thought abortion was analogous to legal marijuana, anytime pro-choice people say these things, what they're really saying to us is, I don't think the fetus is a person. And because I don't think the fetus is a person, I think that abortion is an acceptable solution to all these societal issues. Contradicting the common ground keeps the abortion debate on all of these societal issues, which is the opposite of what you need to do in the conversation. What you need to do if you want to persuade the pro-choice person is progress the conversation off of these societal issues and onto the topic of personhood. When does the fetus become a person just like you and I? So when you contradict the common ground, it's like you hinder your own ability to move the conversation to where it really needs to go, which is a debate on personhood, because that is the real area of disagreement. And if you want to persuade the pro-choice person, you got to be addressing that real area of disagreement, not debating all of these societal issues that at the end of the day are not the reason the pro-choice person is pro-choice. They're not pro-choice because of poverty or the foster care system, but because they don't think the unborn is a person. So not only is contradicting the common ground like a natural tendency of ours, but sometimes I'll even like read advice about how to talk about this issue, and they'll actually recommend that people contradict the common ground as like a response to common arguments. And it's so hard to hear that just because I know that contradicting the common ground is like the most sheer fire way to make sure that you don't persuade the pro-choice person. In fact, if I was a pro-choice person and I was trying to win a debate with a pro-life advocate, I would try to get them to contradict the common ground. That would be my plan. I even did this once. This is a true story. I was an intern for a different pro-life apologetics organization, and one of their staff members had not met the interns yet. And so we decided to play a prank on him by pretending to be pro-choice protesters outside of the office building. So my plan when he came up to have a conversation with me was to try and get him to contradict the common ground. My goal was to keep the conversation on all of these societal issues like poverty and the foster care system and rape and not let the conversation progress into a discussion of personhood because I knew if it went there, there was no way that I could possibly win this argument. Now, he was a trained pro-life advocate, so he didn't really let me do it. But I guarantee if he'd been untrained, I would have had a field day. <laughs> I would have never let the conversation ever get on personhood. I would have just kept it on all these societal issues. And I ultimately would have won the debate. Now, to be fair, purchase people are not malicious. They're not trying to trick you or trap you or intentionally keep the conversation on these societal issues so that they can quote unquote win. They are genuine when they ask you what you think about poverty or rape or the foster care system. They're not trying to make us contradict the common ground. We do it to ourselves. That's the funny thing. It's like we do it to ourselves. We shoot ourselves in the foot. No prompting needed by the pro-choice person. So don't shoot yourself in the foot. 
Don't contradict the common ground. Make sure that your common ground is not an argument. Now, what do you do in the conversation if the project person just doesn't say very much? So they don't give you a lot of things to build common ground with. Like I've had conversations where the project person mostly just said yes and no. But even in those conversations, I still build common ground. The common ground just tends to be a little more generic. So what I'll say is I'll say uncontroversial things that I'm 99% convinced that the person I'm talking to will agree with, and I'll use that as placeholders of common ground in the conversation. Building common ground is actually built into ADA's seven-minute argument. We have standard places in the argument where we teach volunteers to stop and take a few moments to build common ground before continuing to the next step. However, I always consider these common ground pit stops to be the minimum amount of common ground a conversation should have not the maximum. Because as I mentioned earlier, you should always be building at least one sentence of common ground immediately after the pro-choice person says anything in the conversation before moving on to the next step in the seven-minute argument. So to recap, common ground is an essential part of keeping a conversation calm and agreeable. Now, every sentence of common ground in your conversation is not going to meet all six of these criteria, but The common ground in your conversation as a whole should always be one, vocalized, two, always genuine, three, as relevant, and four, immediate as possible, while five, communicating positive regard towards the pro-choice person, and six, your common ground needs to never morph into an argument against abortion. And when people start integrating common ground that meets these six criteria into their conversations, they find that it makes a huge difference in the tone of conversations. Like common ground just diffuses aggression and can make really any controversial conversation more interesting and agreeable. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, we have a special guest speaker who has an announcement to make. Yeah, talking to the microphone. Do you want to start your own podcast? So my four-year-old really wanted to make an announcement on the show. And the reason I had to make that announcement in particular about our podcast email list is because today's episode is the first episode that I have training exercises that go along with the teachings from the show. I've created a common ground worksheet. And the way it works is it's got five common things that pro-choice people will say. And what you're going to do is you're going to practice building common ground with those common examples on the worksheet. And then if you're really stumped on how to build common ground with one of the examples I give, I have an answer key on the backside where you can read ways that I would build common ground with those scenarios. So if you want our common ground worksheet, you go to our website. It's www.abortiondialogueacademy.org. And you go to the podcast page on our website and you sign up for our podcast email list. I'll also put a link in the show notes so you can just click that link and then it'll take you straight there and you can sign up for the podcast email list. And then I'll send you the Common Ground Worksheet right to your inbox. Now you're going to really want to get on our podcast email list because eventually once we start presenting the seven minute argument, we have a visual aid that we use to present the argument. We call this visual aid our outreach card. 
And I'm going to be sending out that outreach card along with instructions on how to use it to everyone on the podcast email list. So go ahead and sign up for the podcast email list now. That way you get all of the training exercises and resources from the show delivered right to your inbox. So in next week's episode, I'm going to be talking about the number one source of confusion in conversations on abortion. This confusion is so prevalent. Like if I could just wave a magic wand and remove this confusion from all conversations on abortion, we would just be light years ahead of where we are today in reaching and persuading pro-choice people. Now, our interns are trained to listen to conversations like a hawk for this confusion. So because you're going to be having conversations on your own without a dialogue intern listening to you and mentoring you, it's going to be really important that you understand this most common source of confusion so you can avoid it in your own conversations and you can keep your conversations persuasive and effective. So that's going to be next week's episode. If you liked today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life in seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.